Greetings. This is Kathy Mears. I'm the interim president and CEO of the National Catholic Educational Association. And today I'm hosting a podcast with Jody Blanco, who calls herself the voice of America's bullied. And Jody, we are so glad to have you as an author for NCA and as a speaker for NCA. And now you're doing our first master class. So welcome, Jody. Thank you so much, Kathy. I am so honored and delighted to be here. The NCEA is like family to me. So this is a real privilege and a joy. Well, we are definitely glad to have you. And um, Jody, you have spent your life working with um, children who are bullied and their families and helping teachers and principals to work with them too. Um, can you give us a short update on your career and, and how you got to this moment to be talking to me um, on this podcast? Sure. Well, from fifth grade through high school, I was the kid that nobody wanted to be caught dead hanging out with. I cried myself to sleep for the same reason that so many other kids struggle to fit in today, simply for being different. My school years were a nightmare. And in 2000, 2001, I decided I wanted to tell the story of what happened, never imagining that the book I wrote, Please Stop Laughing at Me, would become a New York Times bestseller or that it would help to spark the anti-bullying movement in this country. But it did. I mean, God had a plan. And, and the minute my book hit, suddenly, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds of kids started reaching out to me, asking me for help. And I gave up my career in business and I started traveling to schools, answering these cries for help one at a time. And over time, that sort of evolved into this mission and career that I have called INJA. It's not just joking around, where I actually go into schools. I do age-appropriate presentations for students, lots of different professional development. And I also do presentations and work with parents. And since I first began this mission that I really stumbled into, just by listening to that voice inside me. Um, that was nearly 20 years ago, and I've done that program for almost half a million students, teachers, and parents worldwide. And my relationship with the NCEA, um, I started working with the NCEA on anti-bullying in like 2004. And I've just had this family relationship with the NCEA ever since, because I think what the NCEA does is more than vital. I think it's the heartbeat of the Catholic school system. And so I've always felt connected to that heartbeat. And, and as much as I give the NCEA in terms of devotion and commitment and passion, they give back a hundredfold to me in every school that they help. Thank you. That was really nice of you to say all those kind things about NCA, but we do try to present people like you, people who care and people who understand that students at the, are at the heart of our work and the most important part of our work. So with that in mind, many Catholic schools are going to try to open their doors um, in a couple of weeks. I know some people that will be back in school um, as soon as August 3rd or 5th. And we're all worried about the virus and how to open up and what happened during the last four months or even for close to five months that we haven't seen children and, and what, 
how will our relationships be? How will the students be? Everybody's thinking that they're going to be scared. Everyone's thinking that how are we going to keep them safe? There's just so many thoughts and emotions with opening school this year that we've never had before. So what's your take on that? How do you think it's going to go? Well, I think that with this challenge comes unprecedented opportunity. And what I mean by that is the predominant emotion for most of us going in is going to be fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty. But the fact that everybody is going in with that same fear of uncertainty, administrators, teachers, just school personnel, you know, non-faculty like, like the cafeteria workers, the, 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 the school nurse, the, the, you know, the, the, the maintenance engineers. I mean, a school is a community. A school is a microcosm of the real world. It's a community. And everybody in our school communities are going to have that same fear. And that fear can either put people on edge and make them conflict. It can create dissonance or it can create discovery because it's something we share together. And if we're supportive and lead with truth and compassion and are open and communicative, this can be an opportunity for teachers to deepen their bond with students, for administrators to deepen their bond with teachers, and for the school as a whole to deepen its bond with parents. It's gonna be about leading with truth and compassion and it's going to be about consistent communication across the board. So my general take on back to school this fall is that as scary and uncertain as it seems on the surface, if we can look beneath that surface and we can connect to our best selves and we can remember to have faith and remember our sense of purpose and also have a sense of adventure, that this can be the fall that not only redefines what beauty and joy we are as a Catholic school community, but it can be the fall that lifts us to a whole new relationship level and that will have lasting impact. Also, distance learning. You know, I, I just did a blog post about this, about not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. There were aspects of distance learning that worked, that were effective. And we can certainly integrate some of those things into blended learning models as we embrace this new back to school reality. So my, my, my simple answer is with uncertainty, with challenge comes unprecedented opportunity. And it's a matter of identifying what these opportunities are and then having strategized to maximize their positive impact. And that's what my masterclass sessions are going to be about with the NCEA. Identifying those opportunities with students and having strategies and tools to maximize them and identifying those opportunities with parents and having strategies and tools to maximize them. Your emphasis on communication is really important, I think. I think that when we have disagreements or um, problems, I think that it results out of a lack of communication. It's no one's fault. Most people have great intentions to fully communicate, but then 
life happens, something happens, and we don't communicate as well as we as we could. And we fail to recognize too that some people need different types of communication. So what are some of the things you're going to talk about with communication during the masterclass? Well, I'm going to talk about the three tenets of emotional credibility and communication because there's a difference, Kathy, between authority and emotional credibility. And a lot of people get that confused. Authority is when you have authority over a situation. A teacher has authority over her students. A principal has authority over the school. A parent has authority over their child. And a lot of adults assume that if you have authority over someone, that you automatically have emotional credibility. And that's not true. Emotional credibility is when somebody trusts you and they feel safe. Well, that's not something that you just have. That is something that you have to earn and that you have to work diligently to sustain. And there are three tenets of emotional credibility in communication. Specificity. The more specific you are when you communicate with someone, the more validated they feel. The more general you are, the more dismissed they feel. That's why parents don't like it when an administrator will say, I'll get back to you, because it makes the, the parent feel as if the administrator is holding all the power. And yet the administrator who says that isn't trying to be controlling or hold on to power. That administrator is just being logical and reasonable. Wait, I need time to figure this out. I need time to process and I need time to get back to you. But because there's a lack of specificity in that communication, it's com it can be completely misinterpreted. The intention. And what you say, Kathy, is so smart about intentions and understanding that different people need different types of communication. And so part of the masterclass is going to be me helping attendees or participants understand what those different types of people are and what those different types of communications are. So credibility and communication, tenant one, specificity. Specificity engenders trust. The second tenant of emotional credibility is immediacy. It's a myth sometimes that someone needs a cooling down period. Sometimes all someone will do if you don't get back to them right away or you don't address something right away is they will fester and that causes another set of problems. So how do you judge when to communicate with someone when there's a crisis or a difficult situation or an impasse? What questions do you ask yourself and how do you navigate through that communicational sort of landmine with grace, faith, truth, love, and mutually shared hopes for outcome. And then the third tenet of emotional credibility and communication, which is my favorite as a professional writer, is semantics and positioning. One of the biggest challenges with communication, whether it's a teacher communicating to a student or a principal or teacher communicating to a parent, is semantics and positioning. If you present something negatively, you're, it's going to be perceived that way. So present it the way you want it perceived. If you want that parent to feel confident that the school has got its act together, that everything is gonna to be okay this fall, that we got this, 
then you need to present it that way. And sometimes when we present or when we're just having a conversation with someone, our own defense mechanisms get in the way and everything goes kerflui from there. So how do we employ the three tenets of emotional credibility and communication? How do we maintain an awareness of our own feeling and state of mind when we're communicating and how do we communicate with that angry parent or with that nervous student in a way that not only deepens trust, but that helps us build the relationship ongoing. There's such, I know everybody's nervous. I mean, and I'm a professional speaker. I'm gonna have to do my anti-bullying program in many schools virtually now. And, and I'm perfectly ready and excited. And that's the point, Kathy, is that as uncertain as we are this fall, we have to enter into fall semester 2020 excited with a sense of adventure. So I'm going to be telling teachers, you know, the distance, the socially distanced classroom is going to be a different dynamic. Bullying will occur. It's going to happen, but it may have a different face or a different feel. There may be different types of bullying that emerge out of this new reality. How do you catch these behaviors before they become developed? How do you nip it in the bud early? How do you recognize it? So I'm going to be in this masterclass on the student side, I'm going to be giving teachers observational tips, not just what to do if you see it, but how to know when you actually are seeing it. So those are the kinds of things we're going to talk about. And this fall, it's going to be different. Yes, the socially distanced classroom, intermittent learning, the whole thing. But if we as the adults in the school system can laugh at ourselves when there's an oops, not be afraid of bloopers if we're doing a virtu the virtual classroom. If we can maintain consistent communication with parents that they come to rely on, they come to expect, and if parents can feel that their voices are being heard. If we can have an expectation management system, because as administrators and teachers, we have to learn how to manage the expectations of students and the expectations of parents. So how do we use communication tools like emails and text messaging and phone calls and Zoom meetings? How do we have communications policies and procedures in place that are comfortable, kind, practical, and realistic that manages everybody's expectations and that maintains an accountability on both sides? So that if a parent isn't getting the communication they think they should expect, there are procedures for communicating with the school that allow everyone to behave with confidence and grace. How do we do that? That's what this masterclass is going to be about. And my goal with this masterclass is to give everyone enough tools in their toolbox that when they walk away with this shiny new toolbox from the NCEA, that instead of feeling, oh, I'm a little less nervous about fall, they say to themselves, I'm excited. This is gonna be an adventure. I'm excited. That's what I wanna achieve. 
Well, Jody, you certainly inspire confidence. And that's, that's great. And I think that's right, too. I think this is an opportunity for us to do things differently. And differently can be a lot better if we want it to be. And um, it provides us with the opportunity to meet the challenge and to show people that um, Catholic schools are not only ready for the challenge, but we embrace it and we um, welcome it because we know that it will make us better in the long run. When you talk about um, that, that bullying could look different, can you give some examples of that? Sure. Well, when we talk about, I've always said this before, that, that bullying on its surface may seem like an act of aggression or a targeted act of personal hatred or dislike, but that's an illusion. Bullying is a child who's hurting, acting out in a cry for help. And unless we answer that cry with enlightened forms of discipline and with restorative, compassionate forms of discipline, that cry for help will turn into a howl or a scream. And when that cry for help turns into a howl or a scream, that is when we have tragic forms of bullying in a school that cause lasting damage. That dynamic is not going to change, but aspects of it are going to become more pronounced because of COVID-related anxieties. I mean, think about this. Most bullies, and let's let's look at the, the two types of popular kids in a school. Let's start there. The elite leader is the member of the cool crowd who's kind and caring and inclusive. The elite tormentor is the mean popular kid, the kid who uses acceptance and exclusion almost like currency. Well, the elite tormentor bully, which is the bully that yields the most influence among their peers at school because they're the popular kid that everybody wants to be accepted by. And these are also the students, Kathy, that can hornswoggle the adults. The elite tormentor crowd, the kids who are elite tormentors, these are often the kids who get good grades, respect their elders, have clear-cut ideas of what they want to do when they grow up, thrive in extracurriculars, volunteer for community service. Nobody ever suspects that these kids who the schools are often most proud of and use as student ambassadors for parent events, nobody ever suspects that these kids are sending other kids home every day in tears, not by virtue of the acts of cruelty they commit, but the subtle acceptance they deny. Well, these elite tormentors often come from homes where there are tensions at home, perhaps marital problems, a substance abuse issue, or just general chronic dysfunction that makes them insecure, that makes them need that popularity to feel a sense of themselves. Well, imagine with all the uncertainty, with parents losing their jobs, with all the financial fears and economic fears of what's going on in the world, these kids will come back to school in the fall feeling more desperate inside than ever. And desperation can make kids act out. And that acting out could be more severe and it could be more subtle. The kids who were bullied before COVID happened. Remember, and there are two types of bullied students, Kathy. There's the overtly bullied, who's bullied in all the obvious ways, made fun of, teased, digitally harassed, cyber bullied. But then we have the invisible student. The invisible student is the student who's not necessarily 
targeted per se. They're not even necessarily aggressively disliked. They're just that kid who, who, who sort of disappears into the woodwork, who's like a ghost in their own skin. The kid who other students don't look at, they look past as if they don't even exist. Well, those kids, the invisible students and the bullied students, they're going to be dreading back to school, perhaps even more than they did before because they got a break during distance learning. They got to be home. They didn't have to endure those stairs in the hallway every day that made them feel an inch tall. They didn't have to worry at lunch, oh gosh, who am I gonna sit with today? Oh God, please don't let anybody make fun of me at lunch. Please let me just be able to have my lunch. All those little prayers that every bullied and excluded student says to themselves a hundred times a day in the school day, they got a break. So now here it is fall. And so their fear and their desperation is going to be higher too. And that's where the bullying is going to have a different dynamic because it's going to be fueled by a deeper desperation in some kids. So how do we identify that? And how do we love them up as, a, as, as the Catholic school system, not just the victims, but the bullies, so that we can completely redefine this dynamic? When I tell you this is an opportunity this fall, Kathy, I mean that with my heart, but we have got to go in there excited about it and knowing we can do it. And I'm going to do everything with the NCA that I can to make that happen and everything I can when I go back into the schools in the fall and do my anti-bullying program, whether it's virtually, in person, or both. Together, as a community, with all of us, we got this. And to break a grammar rule, please don't listen to me, oh saint of grammar. We do got this. We do. But we're going to have to go in there with the right attitude. And, and it could change everything. We could end up saving lives that we didn't think we would save. I really am excited. I am too. I, th I think that a lot of good things can come out of the work that we will do this fall with um, students and families, and, and I think that's good. Jody. in addition to the um, master class, which we're glad that you will begin next week um, at, through webinars for NCA, and you can go to nca.org to register, you also have written several um, um, books for NCA, and then you have your New York Times bestseller book that says that is called Please Don't Laugh at Me. Can you talk a little bit about your books and why people might want to um, purchase them? Yes. Well, let's start with the NCEA briefs because I am so proud of those. I just like, you know how you do things in your life and you're just really proud of? That's one of them because they were generated by schools coming to me. Like, cause I do my program, my anti-bullying program, I go into schools and then principals and teachers and students and parents would come to me and ask me for information. Do you have this written down? Do you have that written down? And I realized I didn't. So I went to the NCEA and I said, hey, I should probably be writing this stuff down. All these things that I do, these, you know, these aspects of my, of my, especially my professional development. And the NCEA was gracious enough and, 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 and gave me the privilege of their trust 
to encourage me to do these briefs and that's what they are and there's three briefs um a primer on compassionate there's a primer on compassionate discipline which is basically um restorative forms of discipline because if traditional punishment only makes an angry child angrier and an insensitive child more insensitive so we need more compassionate forms of discipline that help kids connect to their empathy and develop it like a muscle and that's what that book does and these are short they're not long so they're not cumbersome or intimidating and they're very conversational i'm not all about you know the it, there's not a lot of lingo in there it's just me speaking to administrators and teachers heart to heart about what i've learned working in the school system for 20 years and then what i know as a former you know communications professional you know i taught communications at two universities so it's all of that kind of combined the second one is um, is a primer on bullying intervention, and all of these briefs are core Catholic values based. So everything that I teach in the briefs and everything I do in my professional development, they all emanate from the light and wisdom of core Catholic values. And a primer on bullying intervention is everything, how to intervene, the different types of bullying, the typical profile of the bullied student, which is the ancient child, which I, which is that old soul, that's typically the student who tends to get bullied or be excluded and how to identify that student and work with them. So that's the whole holistic approach on bullying intervention. It's sort of like the, um, the entire sort of spectrum of it. And then the other one, which is my most popular um, speaking series is how to deal with challenging parents. I have a, a a talk parents bully the school and it's always standing room only um, that that book is on how to deal with challenging parents the different types of challenging parents the helicopter parent the friend parent the executive parent identifying all the different types of parents and understanding how to work with them and partner with them because that too is what the master class is about is how do you partner effectively with parents and that brief is about understanding parents understanding that fear and a feeling of lack of control is what motivates most of their difficult behaviors and how to mitigate those behaviors with truth, compassion, wisdom, and grace. So those are the briefs. And please stop laughing at me. It's just my story. It's what started it all. And to tell you something um, kind of personal, please stop laughing at me, that memoir. When I was doing that book, when I came up with the idea for it, I didn't plan it. I woke up at 2 a.m. And I, and I just had this idea and I wrote it down on a shoebox. And that was the beginning of the journey. And, and, and this story I want in here, however you edit this down, this, this should be in here because every publisher in New York rejected that book. Nobody wanted it. They all told me that bullying is a non-issue and there's no audience for that. So I actually had a fight tooth and nail to get that book published. And then when it was published, it got no media because it came out the same week that President Bush declared war on Iraq. It had nothing. I went to bed for a weekend and cried myself to sleep. I didn't get out of bed because in publishing, if you have a book and that happens, it gets no attention the bookstores return it and you never write another book again. And I knew this because I had been an executive in the book business. And 
when I woke up after that weekend and all I did was pray, Kathy, I mean it. I lit a candle. I said, God, please don't let this be a failure. Please, please, please. And my first phone call that I got was my publisher telling me they couldn't understand what happened, but my book was a New York Times bestseller. And the reason that happened is because even though I had no media, the bookstores had heard about the book, they ordered it, a fluke happened with Good Morning America that I was booked and canceled, but because I had been booked, the bookstores anticipated a lot of sales, so they had my book displayed. And even with no media or nothing, the book sold because the title and the cover resonated with parents, students, and teachers. And it's just my story of how I survived. That's a great story of spirit, too. I think the Holy Spirit may have been involved in that. Um, Jody, thank you for speaking with me this morning. I'm so glad that we had this chance for you to explain what's going to happen in the master class and really tell your story. Um, it's an important story because we all know children who, um, who are left out, who are bullied. And I know as a teacher, I always worked against it, but you know, we're not always successful either. And we want to do the best we can. And I think um, having more information always makes us better. And you've certainly provided that for people listening to this podcast. And I hope they'll take the time to register for your um, masterclass that begins um, next week in July, because I think that it's a really good place for people to, to go to learn. So I'm hopeful that they will join you. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it very much. And we hope that everybody has a wonderful day. And we hope to see you at Jody's webinar. Thank you.